welcome to the Crash the Pond podcast. It is a Monday, February 13th, pre-Valentine's Day, post-Super Bowl Sunday edition of the podcast. So we're yeah. we're sandwiched in here to some some pretty key dates on the calendar. I have a bone to pick, by the Uh-oh. way. I'm going to wow. start this off. You saying that made me remember. The NFL adding a 17th game. Yes. Has, it used to be so fun. Every so often, my birthday would end up on Super Bowl Sunday. It, it was okay. great. It was a good time. Good celebration. Good good excuse to celebrate my birthday, have a little birthday party, watch Super Bowl, have a good time. When the NFL added the 17th game to the season, it then made my birthday be Pro Bowl, Bowl weekend at if yeah. anything happened and pushed it the Super Bowl to this weekend instead. So I have a bone to pick with the NFL for that. I'm, you know, as random of a tangent as that is, I'm glad you went that direction and not immediately to uh, officiating in the Super Bowl. I'm oh, really I don't care about that. I don't. I'm, gl- care. I'm glad you don't care because if I had to relitigate that right now, wouldn't be fun. I actually kind of know the head referee from the Super Bowl, by the way. Went to went to school with his daughter. Oh my god, this this is just the bit that won't die. But yes, and it's also like I said, pre Valentine's Day. So yeah. hopefully you have your flowers ordered, chocolates, what have you. But get that get that squared away tonight. You don't want to be scrambling tomorrow. No, that's all no, I'm you, n- no. From experience, you do not want to be scrambling on that. Yeah, veteran veteran wisdom right there, folks. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we've got some things to talk about this week, and you know, shockingly, it it doesn't really feel like it. But the Ducks played. I believe it was four games last week. They did. We did a podcast after one of them, though. So there have yes. been three games since we were last recorded. Yes. So they played three games since we last recorded. A win, an exciting overtime win against Chicago, which I think a lot of fans, Ducks fans, were groaning about because that's a basically an L in the in the tank for Bedard column, if, yeah. if you want to look well, at it that way. And there was some conversation at that point in time, right, that the Ducks had – uh let's see they had won four of their last five games with the only loss being in overtime to the dallas stars or in the shootout to the dallas yeah stars. they were five one and one or something like that yeah they they so coming out of that chicago game i believe yeah so chicago yeah and no i think they were f- uh yeah coming, no, you're coming, right. com- coming yeah. out of chicago five one and one yep yeah. you were right um and so there was some talk right about the ducks kind of being what if they're back and i mean they're back could, they've turned you, a corner you, there was like <laughs> It's funny because right now I think that the Ducks fandom, Ducks Twitter sphere, everything like that, it's kind of split between like twofold where there's going to be the people out there and maybe this is where you're at. Maybe it's not. Who knows? But when they see that, they're like, oh, no, the Ducks are out of Bedard contention. There's no way they're going to be in that spot at all. So, such and such. And another one where, oh, it's good. They're, the Ducks are, are playing better. They're going to continue this. Not make the playoffs, but just play better down the stretch. And I think where you and I both fell is that that winning streak was not going to be a sustainable thing long-term. And if you looked at that stretch, the Ducks weren't necessarily playing good hockey over that stretch. I mean, just looking, starting with the Arizona game, um, over the Arizona, Colorado, Arizona, Dallas, Chicago game, the Ducks had one game above 50% expected goals percentage, and that was the expected goals for percentage, and that was in Arizona. Um Really, the only thing that I think you'd take away from that that mini winning streak is that John Gibson was playing out of his mind, and Anthony Stoller's also played some pretty good hockey. 
in that stretch also. Um, just kind of looking at some of the numbers against Colorado, John Gibson put up a 1.75 GSAX, Arizona 2.84, Dallas 3.9, uh, and then Stolars against Arizona 0.97, uh, against Chicago 0.51. So the Ducks were getting absolutely fantastic goaltending. They were getting timely goal scoring on the power play. Basically everything that kind of builds into this unsustainable streak, I, I think is the best way to put it. Yes, and, and I think that people were even extending this back to the uh, holiday break return. And this was as of last week. So this was after po- right after the Chicago game. But since the holiday break at that point, the Ducks were, and I think the Ducks were something like 8-7-1, and one, some, some kind of whatever stat since the holiday break. The Ducks were 31st in expected goals for percentage and 31st and shot a 10 percentage at five and five since the holiday break. So yes, they've kind of treaded water in the win loss column. And they've even had this little bit of a streak, but, and like to their credit, and this is credit in, in quotation marks in that seven game streak we're referring to their on ice numbers have improved considerably by their standards. So they're still below break, even, at, at shot attempts and expected goals, like 45%, 46%. They were 42, 49, respectively, on the season in those categories. So it's like this modest little improvement, but let's not pretend that all of a sudden the yeah. Ducks are going to be chasing a playoff and, spot here. And so I think kind of the, the important thing point that you and I make before we get into the other two games is that I think for those of you that are on board for the tank for Bedard, I don't think really anything has changed over the stretch. Yeah. Just that the Ducks are picking up results, which is going to impact them long-term with, with the standings and everything like that. But from a long-term trend perspective, I wouldn't necessarily buy into it. And then for those of you that aren't necessarily into that and want to watch just the games and see that different type of thing, I don't think that you can necessarily say that they've improved significantly. And I think that we should all be wanting more from them. If they're going to be picking up wins, this is not how you want it to happen. You want it to happen from a more sustainable long-term process perspective you don't want it to happen in these fluky ways because this does nothing for them long term at the end of the day all this does is um establish that bad habits lead to wins from time to time but those bad habits aren't going to lead to lead to sustainable wins and i i I think that that's the biggest thing from this right and people were up in arms and i i gotta really always preface that when i say people i just mean twitter replies and yeah. so th- this might not be the best gauge of how the <laughs> fan base is, is feeling. Your, your, but your Twitter mentions aren't a good gauge for that. It's it's the only sample I have. So what, what are there you going to do? But after the Chicago game, I pointed out the fact that if you looked at the Ducks next 10 games, regardless of if you were feeling like, oh, no, the tank is in jeopardy, their next 10 games at that point were first the first two after that. Pittsburgh, Vegas, we've seen how those went. The Ducks allowed a combined, what was it, 11? No, sorry six plus seven 13 goals yeah in that stretch they lose both and then after that they've got buffalo they've got la they've got and then they're at florida at tampa at washington at carolina and then they come home to chicago and washington like they might lose all but maybe one of those games it's quite possible so again this idea that oh no the the Connor bedard possibility is now jeopardized it's just let's that, it's funny, that's giving this team a lot of credit for a team that's been as bad as yeah. the Ducks have been. Where is this Where is this confidence suddenly coming from that, that they're capable of actually winning consistently? Yeah, and I think it puts a little bit too much, because 
Dallas Higgins just, just don't think understands how to put this team in a spot. Well, Derek really Grant's on the first line right now. Oh, <laughs> Which I feel Terry, like we're, we're, we we're at a point in the season where we can just kind of ignore because it's just so silly and the, you know, playoff hopes yeah. are gone. But. Do you think any of that is to boost trade value? <sighs> well, maybe, I have an easy answer for that that question, but I want to hear your take Maybe, on it. but probably not because A, it's Dallas Akins, and yep. B, if that were true and that's something that was top of mind for them, then why isn't John Klingberg on the first power play unit? Yep, and also they had Derek Grant with Trevor Zegers at the end of last season. So it's yeah. something they've done in the past. But it was just something that popped into my head of being like, I wonder if that's the reason why. And then once you think about it a little bit more, it kind of goes away. And then um, and then on Friday, I mean, just to, we can just kind of recap the games here quickly. Go for it. I don't know. The biggest takeaway from that game to me is that John Gibson sets an, Anah- or sets an Anaheim record, single game saves with 53 the Ducks allowed 59 shots in this game. God. In regulation. So close to 60. So close. 10 away from 69 shots against. Man, it's just... What a just abysmal performance. I mean, 59 shots is so many shots to give yeah. up. And and the Ducks somehow managed to do it. Trevor Zeger scored in, his game, in this game his 19th of the season. So I guess there's that that you can... Hang your hat on. Mason McTavish also got on the board with a really nice shot. And John Klingberg got on the board. So from a big picture perspective, that's a solid tank game because Zegers and uh, McTavish are getting on the board. Henrik picking up two assists, which is also something that has just kind of been in the in the rumor mill, Adam Henrik's name. And then you have Klingberg getting on the board, which is good for his present trade value. So all in all, just kind of a, I mean... I don't want to call it a good tank game because the Ducks got clobbered, but at least there's some kind of big picture things you can point to and say, hey, that's positive. You want something kind of crazy? Yes. Um, crazier than 59 shots against? Yeah, it, it's going to be crazier than 59 shots against. Okay. Uh, that was not even the highest expected goal total against this season. <laughs> the expected goals against in that game were 4.2 per evolving hockey. Wow. Want to guess what the most they've allowed this season? If that was four point two, like five point four, five point oh six against the San Jose Sharks, <laughs> January sixth. Is it time to call into question the the Penguins? They can't convert the shot quantity to shot quality. Wait, this uh, wait, am I looking at the wrong Penguins game for this? Now I'm confused. That sounds yeah. really low for fifty nine no. shots. It. The 59 shots that game. Uh, let me just confirm the wait. Oh, sorry. This is five on five. That's yeah. Why. That yeah. sounds, I was going to ask that, but I was trusting that you filtered that out. Uh, I had not. Sorry. Yeah. 6.49 expected goals oh. against <laughs> in the penguins game. The sharks game though, that same shark or different sharks game in November, 6.2 expected goals against. Well, this is the second 6.49 six, is six lot. plus game. Uh, but here is the thing. That game against the Penguins? Wait, shit. That still isn't the game against the right Penguins game. You're just... What's happening? Can we move on from this? Okay. That game against the Penguins was 91 shot shot attempts against in the okay. Penguins game. That's the second time they have allowed 91 shot attempts against. They did it yeah. against the Panthers that's, also. That's These are just great numbers. Just great. Just fan, great. Just really Re- real fun. Up. Painting a picture here. Really really fun stats for everyone. And then uh, yesterday, or no, yes, yesterday, Super Bowl Sunday, the Ducks get clobbered in Vegas, which is just the norm now for them. 
so far in, in their history against the Vegas Golden Knights. Getting clobbered in Vegas. They lose 7-3. to three, And I don't know if I have a whole lot to say. Sorry, 7-2. to two. I don't know why I said 7-3. to three. Isaac Lundestrom got on the board. I guess he's been playing better as of late-ish. Yep. Don't yeah, know since, to... since since returning, I think he's been playing a bit better. I think the thing with him is his on-ice numbers are just kind of weird and all over the place with some good in there. But mm-hmm. he's picking up points, and, and from an eye test perspective, I think he's also looked good. I mean, he's was he had the assist against Chicago yep. in overtime. Fantastic assist. And then the goal that he scored against Vegas, I mean, to me, was really all him. He was the one who got the puck out of his own zone, got it to Zegras in the neutral zone, entered the zone, drove to the net, and then finished it off. So he's been playing well, and maybe yeah. now his stock is up a little higher than we had it at the beginning of the season. I don't know if, I don't know if we ever truly doubted his ability to become just a full-time NHLer, yeah. but now maybe he's more solidly in that fourth-line center, yep. maybe third-line center range, although I would still have it at fourth line on yep. this team. Yep. Uh, yeah, and that's kind of it for the week in terms of at least from the, the on-ice perspective for the Ducks and, I mean, for the Ducks, but from the off-ice off ice perspective, not necessarily for the Ducks, but the NHL, it was actually kind of a crazy weekend. Yeah, well, we had uh, we had Ch- Chikrin Gate, which... Yeah. Uh, but I want to start with... Let's keep it Ducks-centric, just, okay. just, for a, just for a touch here. Okay. Because I feel like we can actually get through this topic somewhat quickly. I found it interesting that... So the Ducks on their team show, Light the Lamp, hosted by Alexis Downey, mm-hmm. had Elliot Friedman on today. Mm-hmm. And Alexis Downey, and you know, we all know how the how the Ducks are with media-wise, very tight-lipped, very under control. Nothing gets said that nothing gets said by accident. And Alexis Downey straight up asked Elliot Friedman, "How do you see John Gibson's future panning out in Anaheim?" And when I heard her ask that, I thought I had misheard. Because that's a pretty, that's a pretty bold kind of in-your-face question that yeah. from from a team employee particularly, and Elliot Friedman almost seemed surprised as surprised as I was because he was like, oh, I don't want to get anyone in trouble here, blah blah blah, and his response was, I would like to think that John Gibson would like to be somewhere else where the cycle is closer to winning. And I don't think it's because he's unhappy in Anaheim. And he kind of followed up later with saying that he's had, he has no doubt that Verbeek has looked into a Gibson trade, not saying like in the present tense, but that that's something that he has explored. Mm -hmm. So what do you make of that? I think it's interesting. I I think it's interesting, at least on, from the production side of things. First off credit to Alexis Downey. I I think she deserves a lot of props for asking that question because it would have been very easy to just, I mean, that's not something I think has been on the front of anyone's mind either. So it's not as if this is like a very like pressing, like it, the timing doesn't really make sense in terms of it's not something, a name that's out there from that perspective. But I think good on her though, for coming up with a very interesting question. I mean, he is one of the most uh, senior members of this team and is someone that looks like he might want to go somewhere to win. And so it makes sense that she asked that question. And I think the, the duck stream platform deserves kudos also for not uh, cutting it for not distilling the, the product. Yeah. Be- because when you're doing a non live show, because we do a live show every time. So I never really cut anything out. What you, what you see is what you get from this show from the editing perspective. It's just very minor cleanup with the audio. 
Um, but when you're doing a recorded version, which we do every once in a while, you do have the ability to clip out things and make it fine tune and match and everything like that. And the ducks really had the chance to do that on this. And instead of doing that, they left it in there. And I think in some ways it's really good because it's, it's not insulting your fan base. And I think that that's a big part of this from ignoring, right. The we'll get to the actual John Gibson and that type part of it. But I think from kind of what, at least just from my perspective, what this means, I think it's important to have something like this because it shows that you're not going to just ask softball questions and it shows that you're not going to insult your, your team's, uh, your fan base's intelligence because everyone can look at John Gibson and look at the performances he's had and think, Oh, well, wouldn't it make sense if he wants to go elsewhere if this team isn't a rebuild and with everything he, with how much he's had to go through over his tenure as an Anaheim Duck and to ask that question and get an answer from Elliot Friedman also because he could have very much not he given ducked or, on it too. He could have ducked on it too and not tried to get like really just tried to not get her in trouble and then they could have just clipped the entire thing of that. Um and so overall from that production side of it I I think everyone deserves a lot of credit there for getting that in there. From the actual trade perspective, I think it is interesting because Elliot Friedman is one of the most connected people in hockey, and he would not make a statement like that about Pat Verbeek has definitely probably or has, that's the part that's interesting because made think some calls about it. We've known the sentiment from Gibson. I think that that's been aired somewhat. I mean, I think somewhat we we've known that. There's been yeah. some dispute about his level of happiness, blah, blah, blah. You remember the whole snafu last offseason. But the key here to me is this this additive of, oh, that there's he has no doubt that Verbeek has looked into it, which, you know, could just be maybe some some puffery there. But I do think that that's, that's something. And spinning it forward, I don't really anticipate a Gibson trade in season. No, no. I don't no, think no. people should be reading this and thinking, oh, now add John Gibson's name to the to the trade bait list going to the trade deadline, but no. it does show that 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 kind of that file is still is still left open. It's still pending. It, it I think that it, it's not been resolved since last offseason. I mean, if, if if anything, if he's a guy who wants to win, this season has probably hurt the chances he stays in Anaheim. Yeah, because because I think probably last offseason, he could have probably had the same thoughts that we were with this team and the additions that were made and, and, right. and everything like that and kind of looking at him and be like, okay, we're going to take a step forward this year. And instead, it, for various reasons that we've gotten into from all throughout all these podcasts, but the Ducks have taken a massive step back and one that no one really, from a analytical perspective, looking at the team model perspective, everything like that, unless you were just um, really looking at the team from a negative perspective, no one really could have predicted this level of of just horrible play. Like, I, I don't think, I think if anyone's saying, what did you expect from this team? I think they're not being honest. Not with, this. Yeah. So. But, and I do want to point out another facet, which is that. Yeah. If the Ducks are allowing this to be said on a team show, I don't want to say that it's priming fans for an impen- you know, a move coming That's up. That's a good but, point. But I do think that they're not against this being out there because we know that if the Ducks do not want something out there, it will not get out there. And so for them to just kind of let this roam free, maybe like to what you're saying, it's just trying to get this this team show to get have it just a little bit more interest around it. But again, if they didn't want it out there, it would not be. And... <laughs> 
yeah. I tweeted I tweeted out the the little you know transcription of what Friedman said. Didn't get any pushback. Didn't get any DMs. You know, nothing nothing of that sort. And so I I find that aspect of it intriguing. Yeah. Yep. Agreed. So it's fascinating. I think it's going to be a name to watch in the off season. And yeah. I, I think, I think from the Ducks' perspective, you have to have the utmost confidence though in Lucas Dostal. You maybe you try to go out and get a veteran goaltender to be a one to one a one b tandem with him throughout yeah. next season. And you can you see what you can get on the John Gibson trade market. I mean, here's the thing, Matt in our YouTube chat just brings this up. But what do you think John Gibson's value is? Like, do you think he has value? I think th- I think that the prevailing thought in the league, and this is just me completely reading the tea leaves, but I think that the the prevailing thought is still that hey, this is a good goalie. He's in a bad situation. He's been in a bad situation, and it's just he's just kind of gotten used to it. It's not bringing out the best in him, and that there's still a starting level goaltender in there. So, I think he does still have value. To answer your question, so what do you think that value is? Well. The problem is the contract. Yeah. And he's got four years left, 6.4 mil. He's not a young goalie anymore. He's 30. So, man, maybe a pick. I mean, I think he's at least worth a first-round pick, right? First-round pick and then a prospect. Yeah. I, I, I just he, maybe a contract just to make the money work, but maybe I don't, you maybe you get the other teams like backup goalie or a veteran goalie or things like that. And my apologies to John Gibson. He's 29. So, yeah, I was like, I don't think he's 30 yet. He's going to be 30 in I mean, July. Here's the question. Do you retain salary? I think the term makes it really, I think the term makes it really hard. It does, but it's not a ton of money though. Like, let's say you retain half, you know, 3.2. Three? I mean, do you think that by the end of that deal, the ducks are going to be close to the salary cap ceiling? Yes, but I just think that. I mean, I'm, uh, there's two arguments here. One is you want to maximize what you can get for John Gibson because you believe that he's a valuable trade chip and you want to get the most. Or B, the, the actual value of trading Gibson is just getting rid of his contract and it doesn't really matter quite as much what you get back. Well, I, I think and, the other way to put it is what's of more value right now? That extra pick? That extra pick right now? Or at year three of this deal, the extra cap space? Yeah, I, I think that's the better way to put it because essentially what you're doing is you're retaining salary, you get an additional return. So by retaining that salary, you're giving up cap space for that extra pick. So what's going to be of more value for you at the end of that deal? The yeah. the cap the 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 pick or the cap it? And to me, it's going to be the cap it because I think in three to four years the Ducks should be in the playoffs, should be pushing um, pushing into contention, and you have. I mean, Zegers very well could end up. Um, yeah, could up. He's going to get up, in that seven million dollars. Yeah, and and so and you're going to have McTavish on a, like McTavish Drysdale. in two years is going to need a new deal. Drysdale's going to be on a new deal now. <laughs> if you draft Connor Bedard, yeah, in, in like, three years he would be up for. Like another that's contract. the thing is that the Gibson salary retention will still be there, and so I think that's the reason for not retaining salary. Well, you know what I kind of wish you could do is retain pick the amount for of years, years you can retain. Yeah, yeah. like retain the front end. And well, then don't retain the back end. And the other, the other thing is, you can only retain salary on three deals. I think is what it is. Okay. So, you, I mean, granted, I don't know if you're going to be retaining is that per salary. season. Uh, at any point in time, 
you can only have three salary retentions on your cap hit. Okay. So, so tip, th- this season, th- they might... Well, this season, they don't training, have any. They're, they're not training John Gibson this season. No. and, so. and But they might have Adam and Reek on their, their cap sheet for next season. Yeah. So, that's one. Klingberg is, you know, one and done. But that won't be next year. Right. So, that's what I'm saying. So... And, you want to be a little bit careful because you want to have flexibility if next year goes bad to trade yeah, guys still with salary retention. Yeah. So I, I just, I don't think that you, I think that getting the rid va- of Gibson. The value is getting out of the contract is yeah, what you're arguing. Correct. And so I think it's the, the cap or the, the pick that you get for retaining salary isn't necessarily going to be worth it for the amount of years that that's there. Well, it's funny because this kind of reminds me a little bit of the argument for trading for the Sharks trading Eric Carlson. A little the bit dif- different. The, the difference there is the Sharks don't have, because for anyone that's missed it, there there were interesting conversations. We'll get into some of them on the 32 Thoughts pod, talking about Eric Carlson and how the Sharks really don't want to retain salary because of, what is it, four years left on that deal? Yes. And, they don't want to so, retain more than 40%. And for them, I don't necessarily get it because they're not going to be good over those four years. They don't have... That's what I'm saying, yeah. They don't have the bevy of pick bevy of prospects that the Ducks do ready to jump into the NHL. And so they're going to have to be bad over that tenure. Maybe near the end of it, they're going to start being okay, but they shouldn't be near the cap ceiling at that point in time. How dare you disrespect Thomas oh, Bortolo? Oh, sorry. Before and- we get into our ad read, and then we'll get into the chicken stuff afterwards. We should mention... Uh, Elliot Friedman dropped in his 32 thoughts uh, article oh, yeah. last week that Jackson Lacombe will be signing with the Ducks. Yeah, our long national nightmare is over. <laughs> wow, just just going with it from that perspective. You know how many questions we've had to answer about this? I mean, and we're I still we're still going to get some about Henry Thrun. Well, now he's the he's the last shoe to drop. But yeah, I think it's somewhat noteworthy that Lacombe stayed with the Ducks. He's the one who stayed now, and he just adds to the Ducks pipeline. I guess the the real question surrounding Lacombe now is just when is, is he going to play for the Ducks this season? I think no matter what, he gets a couple, a game or two with the Ducks. I, I kind of did a quick little estimate on it and he's on the Minnesota uh, golden Gophers. They're the number one team in the nation right now. If he ends up making the, um, if they end up making it to the frozen four and they win that, I believe that that ends. Uh, let me kind of get to calendar. I believe that ends on April eighth. I think is when that is April eighth or April 9th. So there would be two games left in the season that the um, that he could play in. Um, and on April eleventh versus Vancouver and April thirteenth versus LA. If they get ousted earlier though, which I think they and I'll double check this once I'm done talking. But I believe that the uh, regionals are done on the twenty fifth. So there could be like eleven games or so that he could play in. Is that which which month is that? Uh, the twenty fifth of March, I think, is when the regionals okay. end. So Got that would it. give him like eleven games left in the season. Yeah. So I think if you consider all the potential moves the Ducks could make at the trade deadline, this sets up kind of nicely for Lacombe to potentially come in and have a spot right away and, and get a meaningful some meaningful minutes. So yeah, and and so I think overall it's a good thing for for this Duck system. Um, yep. So here it is. Uh, I, I was trying to find the exact uh, verbiage that uh, Elliot Freeman used. So he said the 2023 Hobie Baker nominee Jackson Lacombe from the University of Minnesota has indicated he will sign with Anaheim after the season. One of the NCAA's top scoring defenders, Lacombe, taken 39th overall in 2019, could have become a free agent this summer. There would have been plenty of interest. So that's a good keep for the Ducks. 
Yeah, it's a it's a good move for them. They need bodies on the blue line because we've talked about this this season, but one of the one of the subplots is just how bad this blue line has been and you figure Klingberg is going to be gone. You figure Kulikov is going to be gone. Who knows what's going to happen with Shattenkirk? I've not seen his name out there. Simon Benoit has not panned out so far. I mean, he's just been bad this season. I don't know how else to put it. You just don't really have that many bodies ready to just kind of fill out that back end right now. You know, you think of Machukov and, and Zellweger, and those guys will potentially be there next year, but you still just need bodies to fill it out. And I think that yeah. that's the benefit here of a Lacombe. So here it is. Uh, the regional, I'm depending on which one he goes to, will either be March 23rd and 25th or March 24th and March 26th. And so if the if Minnesota loses in the regionals and don't make the Frozen Four, he will be uh, he would sign his contract probably right then and have a decent amount of Ducks games to be able to play in. If they do make the Frozen Four, it would be April 6th and April 8th um, is when that will be. So April 8th, once that ends, like I said, there will be two games left in the season at that point in time. I would imagine he still comes and plays to activate this year off the contract um, and goes from there. Henry yeah, he Thrun, wants to get paid. <laughs> Henry Thrun will have a similar idea around that time. I think Harvard is ranked 10th in the nation when I looked at it recently. So they should be able to uh, uh, essentially get a look at him also if they don't make the Frozen Four and, and have an, a chance to sign him. So it will, it will be interesting to see what happens there. I think if Thrun does sign, the Ducks have – a decent amount of young guys coming into next season that really won't have played much in the NHL at, if at all this season. Yeah. Cause you'll have, I mean, Drysdale played eight games, so I'm going to throw him in this. They'll have him. They'll have Zellweger. They'll have Minchukov. They'll have Drew Hellison. They'll have Thrun and they'll have Lacombe. Like yeah, that's it's six gonna, guys it's, right there with a huge yeah. influx. It's going to be a, a drastically different blue line. Yeah, for sure. And, and so I, I think that that's why you move all these guys out from the blue line because none of them should stay. Um, and so, yeah, it will, be, it will be definitely fascinating to see. And I did actually hear, and granted, this was Jeff Merrick going off the top of his head on UFA Defenders, uh, but on the Jeff Merrick show today with Elliot Friedman uh, on it, he was mentioning, he mentioned Kevin Shattenkirk with other defensemen. Okay. So, because I mean, there was that, one, that, there was that's a not report. necessarily like a, a, a locked in. He's getting moved, but it was throwing him in there with. Well, there was a report from the fourth period that he was that the Ducks wanted to resign him or were trying to resign him, and you can have your quibbles with that, but I think I didn't put any stock into that because that's what they said about Lindholm and Manson and Raquel last year too. So it's just it's all just noise and look he's a ufa until he's actually re-signed or doesn't get traded i'm assuming that he's a possibility and now you hear his name out there with with merrick's show so yep so yep uh all right i think it's time for a word from our sponsor though so breaking news manscaped now sells beard products that's right they're once again revolutionizing men's grooming with the brand new beard hedger pro kit from a beard trim to a fresh shave the technology behind the beard hedger pro kit allows you to shape your signature beard look now you can finally or you can finally use manscaped products to make your drapes match your carpet by going to manscaped.com and using code ctp for 20 percent off and free shipping. It's time to tame your mane. No one likes a weird beard, so say goodbye to all your stubble and or stubble trouble with Manscaped's Pro Beard Kit. It all starts with the Beard Hedger. This thing is a juggernaut of fixing 
faces. First off, this cordless trimmery, trimmer has a rotary wheel that gives you 20 hair cutting lengths, all with one guard. So no messy drawers full of extra add-ons. That's right, face grooming doesn't, doesn't need to be hard. You can get 20 different beard lengths in just one guard. Now I wanna talk about that real quick because I've used many different uh, beard trimmers and I actually used the Manscaped one yesterday and you can see, did a really good job on my face. Um, it's always annoying to have that bag of all of the, the different attachments. I don't know if you know this, Felix. Yes, it is. And, and this one is actually really nice. It's one attachment. It's got a little dial on it and the dial changes the length, pushes it up, pushes it in, depending on what length you want to do. It, it's really, really nice. And also it's waterproof, so you can shave in the shower to avoid all the hair in the sink. And the titanium titanium coated T-blade is tough on hair, but smooth on your face, leading to single stroke efficiency that brings satisfaction one stroke at a time. The Pro Kit doesn't end there though. They have created four dermatologist tested formulations for your post trim care. First, there's the beard shampoo and conditioner. You need to remember all your hair is different. Your beard hair is more coarse and easier to damage than the hair on your head. That's why the kit has made shampoo and conditioner specific, specially designed to moisturize, reduce uh, ingrown hairs, replace natural oils, and promote beard health. Next, the kit has Manscaped beard oil, an essential piece for your main facial accessory. No one wants a guy whose beard is brittle and dry. The oil relieves dryness both on the beard and the skin beneath while adding a little shimmer and shine. Uh, you can cap off the kit with the Beard Balm, uh, a pomade that shapes, styles, moisturizes, and tames for a sculpted look to attract any fellows or dames. And the Pro Beard Kit comes with free, three free gifts, a beard brush, comb, and scissors to ensure your beard is ready to impress. So you can get 20% off and free shipping with the code CTP at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. And use the code CTP, Manscaped Beard Hedger, one stroke, one guard, 20 lengths. There you go. Go check them mm -hmm. out. Mm -hmm. Help us help you help us. Something like it, that. It is a fantastic product. I use a beard trimmer and not a razor. And so now this is outside of the ad read. I extremely enjoy the the beard, uh, beard hedger. Yeah. So there you go. Go check it out. Okay. Jacob Chikrin. Yeah. The story that just doesn't seem like it wants to end. At mm -hmm. one point this weekend, it seemed like it was imminent. We get this report that he's being held out of the game for trade-related reasons, which is both very clear and also potentially ambiguous. I guess we don't have to belabor this, this story too much because I don't know how much it involves the Ducks, but the rumor is that he's potentially going to go to L.A. Brent Clark is possibly maybe not in or is in the deal. No one seems to really know. We can assume that they're that the the Coyotes are going to get a decent prospect, a pick, and and probably even more for Chikrin. What do you make of all of this, and where do the Ducks fit into this? Yeah, and so I had received a question about this on Twitter, so we're not into our questions yet, but I think it was relevant, but kind of more or less saying, um, are we going to talk about whether or not the Ducks should be in on Chikrin? Because he's not dealt yet. And so the conversation at this point is, well, is there going to be a mystery team that steps in and gets the deal done? And should that be the Ducks? And I think it's an interesting conversation to have, specifically when you look at what we talked about last season a bunch, that we talked about Jacob Chikrin and bringing him in and looking at where this team was at last year. But I think if anyone who's listened to us for a while, and including last season, 
I think our biggest takeaway on that was that this was a team that was close to contending or not close to contending, <laughs> but close to being in the playoffs, right? That was kind of a big, big point behind it was getting a Jacob chicken really would help this team push into their, their next contending window and, yeah. and his age and contract and everything like that would help essentially align with this ducks window. And we were wrong. Like, quite frankly, we were wrong on that for various different reasons, but we were wrong. They aren't in the playoff race this year, quite as everyone it's apparent to. Um, and they are battling for Connor Bedard. And the issue with Jacob Chikrin is he only has two years left on his deal after this one, and then he's going to become a UFA. And so the real value for getting Jacob Chikrin is that you're getting two and a, or three playoff runs out of him by trading for him. And then hopefully you can re-sign him and have him for longer and everything like that. But the real value is the contract that he's on. And I think when you look at the amount of assets that it's going to take, and I think that you look at summer, right? And it was talked about that they want a Jack Eichel type return for Jacob Chikrin. They want a first round pick, a high end prospect and a roster player that's ready. So let's just kind of briefly it's, that would be a first round pick, which from, for this draft is a complete no. (laughs) Yeah. Like just a, a complete no. And honestly, for next year, you I think you should still have I, to protect it. I like. Or... I personally think that Trevor Zegers. I mean, maybe you would, it would be Jamie Drysdale in that deal. So let's just say Jamie Drysdale is a Peyton Krebs comparable. And then who's an Alex Tuck comparable on the Stuck team? Is it Troy Terry? I mean, that's a huge cost. And I, it, but I don't think they're getting that though. No, but but yeah. I'm just saying like if we're we're using the Jack Eichel comparison, right? Well, Terry's really the only guy that fits that archetype, but I I think he has more value than Tuck. I think if you're giving yeah. up Terry in that first off, I don't think that Arizona would want Troy Terry because I think the age doesn't really line up. No. And so, but regardless, that just kind of at least shows you from the Ducks perspective of what it would probably take to get him. And so to give up that many assets for a guy that you're only getting a guaranteed two seasons out of, because the Ducks this year doesn't matter. They want to lose the rest of the year. Um, or not the team, but GM, the GM, everything like that. And so you're getting two seasons out of him where maybe if everything goes your way, if you make the right moves in the offseason, you're you're pushing for the playoffs next year. Yeah. Um, with adding a Jacob Trickren. But so a fringe playoff team for one of those years and maybe pushing into contention the second year. Yeah. And that's, that's best, best, best case scenario. And so kind of the ducks have, the ducks have the assets to get this deal done if they had wanted to. I just don't think that there's a necessity to do it. And I also think the other reason, other thing that's come been made apparently clear between last season and this season is the emergence of Olin Zellweger looking like he's going to be a very good quality NHLer and also Pavel Minchukov. And they drafted Minchukov, yeah. Yep. And so both of those guys, I mean, because Jacob Chikrin's a left-hand shot. Like, what do you do if Jacob Chikrin comes in and those two guys come in also? You're essentially putting a roadblock in for yeah. those well, two. Well, and also Cam Fowler is still there. Exactly. And who knows for how long. I think that the value of Chikrin for the Ducks would just be that Yes, you have all these young players, but you don't know exactly when they're all going to come in. And you also don't know if you necessarily want them all to come in and have it be essentially all young guys. And so by having both Fowler and Chickren in there, you kind of have these two anchors that you can then, yeah, you can insulate the young 
the young defenseman with them. And I don't think that that's a terrible concept. The problem is the what it would cost you to make this a reality. And because he's going to be a UFA in only two years, and then do you want to sign that next contract? Probably not. It just seems like it's just outside of the Ducks' ballpark for various reasons. Yeah. Yep. And, and so I still think last season, all things considered, it could have made sense. And, and it would have probably adjusted what they did in the offseason, potentially could have adjusted this year. I think drafting Minchukov kind of put a bit of a a bit of a dent into this possibility because if Zellweger and Minchukov both make it, which I think we both agree they will, and Fowler's locked up long term, like just where does Chikrin fit on this team? Yeah. So but I I just man, I can't really muster up an argument for going out and getting Jacob Chikrin if you're the Ducks. Like it, it it's just for what it's gonna cost you, you're better off just holding on to your assets for when you're actually trying to get a lot better. So. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah, but I think kind of one of my exciting things with looking at that is just how different this, I mean, we know this, but how different the defense is going to be next season. And along with that, how young it can be. And I think it should be yeah. because I think Drew Hellison and Jackson Lacombe, they need NHL time. Like, yeah. I, I, I think that they're now going to be at the age at 22 years old where you need to see guys, uh, and that might sound crazy to some people out there with thinking defensemen need to to marinate in the AHL, but we're getting to the point in the NHL where you need to be in the NHL at 22 or 23. Yeah. Well, it, like Lacombe, if you're going to become a quality guy, Lacombe's going to be 23 next season. Yeah. Sorry. So he's going into and, the prime of his career already. And Drew, they're the, they're all the same draft class. Hellison, Thrun, Lacombe, all are the same draft class. <sighs> Do you think all three of those guys are going to end up being ducks long term? No, I, it just doesn't seem to fit. There's too too but many. That's fine. Too many Give, players, not enough chairs. Yeah, but that's not a, that's not a problem whatsoever, though. I agree. Yep. Oh, Salem appearance. She jumped on the the uh, desk all by herself. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Want to so, get some questions now, or anything else you want to add to it? No, I, I think that we kind of covered it on the chicken front. I guess the only thing I wanted to quickly touch on was there's been a lot of chatter about trade value and we're kind of seeing different prices now. What is your sense of what the Ducks could potentially get for, let's say, a Kulikov or a Klingberg or Shattenkirk? Where Where is that needle at right now? I still think Klingberg gets you a first. I think so, too. I think that has his, you know, does this season nullify everything he's done. And and that's kind of where I'm at with it because you see I Frank Cervalli put in an article and I get where he's coming from because he's more so looking at this year only, but he can play paired him to like a Mike Riley, a Mike Green. The, the these guys must be really low on him if that's actually the case. Yeah, and so I think yes. I I get where he's at and maybe there are guys low on him because of the season. But I think there is certainly something to the fact that he has value due to his reputation and the fact that there are going to be GMs that understand that this Ducks team is uh, in a in a bad spot and it's not putting him into a position to thrive. And so his priors, the fact that he came to a new situation and the fact that his priors were all high. And, and so I really think that there is a reputation that will keep John Klingberg's value higher. Yeah, and, and I agree. So, Kulikov, Kulikov, I could think maybe like a third or a fourth. Yeah. 
Yeah. I think the I think the Luke Shen's trade is going to really set the market because that's supposed to be the next one. I think that's going to set the market for Kulikov, for Bolhu, for maybe Shattenkirk also. Like all these yeah. kind of older defensemen. Although like, I think I think Luke Shen has a lot more value than those guys. I think Kulikov probably has a similar value to Luke Shen. I don't know. People love Luke Shen. That 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 gritty. He's hard so hitting bad, though. His numbers are actually not terrible. They're not good. No, but they're better than you'd expect. Which I, I looked at his, looked at his Rapham charts recently, and they're still it's not this great. this year has been bad. Yeah, yeah that that's what I'm talking about. But if you look at the last three years, it's like shockingly competent. I don't think he's played much in the NHL over the last three years, has he? I thought he was in the AHL for a bit. Mm, was he in the AHL? This is now just a total tangent, but let's see here. He was. So he was with Tampa. Yeah, he, he he's barely played. He's been in the NHL for the last four years. No AHL time okay. except for six games in Syracuse in 1920. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, we have some people, Matt and Curtis, kind of in our YouTube chat saying, Klinger, Klingberg doesn't and shouldn't have that much value. He's barely rosterable if I'm a contender. And Matt saying, I think GMs have to- told us that they prefer for the playoffs big, strong, gritty defensemen, and that's the opposite of Klingberg. Well, it's all, it's all need-based. Yeah. Right? There's going to be a team that needs power play help. And for instance, actually of relevance on that 32 thoughts podcast, they mentioned the Oilers being big in on, on uh, Eric Carlson because the Oilers players went to management and yeah. said that they wanted a puck moving defenseman. They think they're at their best when they have a guy with the puck on their stick that can move it, move it out of the zone and move it tape to tape. And, and that is, Kling- and Klingberg is that Klingberg is that he That's has the his only thing flaws, he does well, <laughs> like he has his flaws outside of that in his own zone. But he, if you look at like certain certain microstat numbers, like he is good at moving the puck and putting the puck into transition, and he could go there and become the number one power play guy on a team that is kind of set up for him to not be the the main guy on the power play, and he can defer. Yeah. And, and so I think Klingberg would have a lot of value to the Oilers, and so I could see the Oilers really going in on him and moving a first round pick for him. So yeah, I, I think it, pe- people always kind of lose sight of the fact that only one team has to value this player. Well, for the, and for I, a deal to happen. And I also think from the big, strong, gritty defensemen, I, I think teams value that, but they give up. Like, when has the team given up a significant amount? Maybe Ben Chirot, right? But typically teams for give up a, a fourth rounder for those types of guys. And also, how did the Ben Chirot trade work out for, yeah, like the, for the Panthers? Yeah, and, and so... And, I think and, they'd rather have their first round back right now. Yeah, I mean, it's weird the Ducks aren't using him on the first prior play, sure. But I don't think any of that negates the reputation that he has and the priors that he has, which... I mean, perception is reality when it comes to trade value. And so if people have yeah. the perception that he is a power play quarterback, it doesn't matter if he's played on the power play or not this year for the Ducks. Yeah, I still think that that's a big mistake by this team, though. Yeah. That is because I don't think his his reputation has taken a significant hit this year, but it also hasn't improved. No. It hasn't, like, popped. And they had this opportunity. And honestly, it would have helped them, too. I mean, power play would have been more interesting, so. Do you think his trade is no trade uh, in his contract impacts anything here? Well, what's the status of it now? It, it's gone from a full no trade to, I believe it's a 10 team. I'm double checking exactly which way the, the 10 team goes. 10 teams he's willing to be traded to. Uh, which honestly, like how many teams are legitimately in the hunt, right? Yeah. And, wh- and when does he submit that list? Like there's, that doesn't really narrow it down all that much because you're assuming that half the league is off the table anyway, teams that are out of it. 
So we shall see. Yep. All right. Want to get to some questions? Yep. All right. So we're going to start with our Discord um, and go from there. So the first one comes in from our good friend, 91 Pluty, the old divider, Connor. Uh, he said, Captain's Log. The sea is cold, uh, is a cold, unforgiving beast. Ration, rations are gone. Morale amongst my crew is withering away. The outlook of this mission is bleak, and I fear the end is nigh. God, please save these men. I will go down with the ship and kiss the dark what depths of the sea floor. Is and this a meet question? The, <laughs> meet the sweet embrace of death. There is no salvation. Switching gears. I'm sitting here on my phone at a work uh, conference when I probably should be paying attention. Regardless, I cannot help but wonder why the once respected writer, scholar, and hockey mind Felix J. Sicard is so quick to turn his nose up at one Matvey Michkov. Is Felix allergic to 40 goal what potential? The heck just does, Mr. does Mr. Sicard have no patience to wait for an all-star caliber player uh, to join this team in three years. If the Ducks don't get Bedard or Carlson or Fantilli, why shouldn't Patrick Cornelius Verbeek <laughs> swing for the fences? Don't give me the he's an unknown entity argument because we can't can just slap that on any non-generational prospect. Furthermore, just to make myself clear, I would still offer Fantilli or Carlson, but just don't understand the search in a version if those players are off the board and talent drops off, uh, talent drop off begins. I'll take my answer off the air, Howard. What a what a word salad! Truly, I respect the word salad. I I Connor told you not to read that. And that I don't question know. could have been like eight words. <laughs> in, instead, it was a full on uh, novella. Yeah, I mean, we got a story out of it, and I thank <laughs> Connor for that. I really appreciate that. I go through and read these questions. I'm happy actually, if I can read a story. I didn't hear you say it was from Connor at first, and then I heard you starting <laughs> to read the question. I was like, oh, this has to be his question. Yeah, I said the old divider Connor. So the reason that I'm... No, no, Cornelius is not his real middle name. It's not. It's new. It's a new bit in our Discord where, mainly from Mike, that uh, he just gives anyone a different middle name. Specifically, mainly everyone's well, middle name is Yuri. So the, the Muchkov thing, I just want to say that I'm not... I'm not against the Ducks drafting Mitchkov. I just think that it's a tough sell to have been this bad for this long and then saying, well, the reward is you've got to wait another three years to then have a shot at this guy coming over. It's just, it's a little unsatisfying is all. Yep. Yep. Uh, Mark B said, Sidney Crosby receives a game misconduct for saying something inappropriate. Just wondering where all the lip readers went. Would love to know what people think he said. Yeah, uh, it's funny how that works, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, Enlightened Appa AG says, the top three Stanley Cup rings of all time. Do you know what any Stanley Cup ring looks like? Because I do not. I've actually put one on. Oh, wow. Which yeah. one? Oh, it was a Canadian's one, I think. Of course it was. Or it may have been a Ducks one, actually. So I had a family friend. Well, we have a family friend who his brother lives in Newport Coast. And... He's like a he's like a big time season ticket holder for the Ducks and he's been for years and he's also lives in Newport Coast so you can you can picture the income. And he's had like Ducks players over at his house. He has like a Bobby Ryan signed stick like hanging in the in the like on the wall in the in the dining room like the whole thing and he he just pulled out a Stanley Cup ring from I don't know if it was the Ducks or Canadians but I was just like, "Oh wow. That's that's, that's something." That, that's definitely a thing. This is why uh, you should get rich, just to be able to hang out with yeah. NHL players. Um, sorry, Appa, I don't know what any of the different rings look like. So yeah, th- 
Yeah, why would you think that we would actually have an answer to this? Yeah, Appa, tell us what yours are in, in Discord. Let's go with that. You know what, though? I, I respect the kind of old school, like, smaller ones, though, because nowadays, like, they're just so preposterous. Yeah. They're so big. Like, it's just you're never going to wear that. Yeah. So. Uh, hey, Odiflo said, what is the most egregious misstep Paverbeek could make from now until the trade deadline? <sighs> like, just not trading players that you really should trade. So oh. for me, that would be not trading Grant. Like, I think if you don't trade Grant or, or Shattenkirk, I, I just have questions. You I went questions. a different route than I was going to go. Well, because I'm assuming that Kulikov and, and Klingberg are, are gone. You, you still are going a different route than I was going to go. Okay. The most egregious misstep you could make is trading the first round pick. Oh, well, that's not happening. <laughs> I'm talking realistically. What what could he do to mess this up? And I think it's not trading guys who are just not fair. Uh, Ducks Jaggernaut, predict the three defensive pairings to start the 23-24 season in Anaheim. Wow, that is a toughie. So Camp Fowler, mm-hmm. left, left shot D on the first pairing. Yep. <laughs> and then after that, oh boy. Jamie Drysdale. Can I just re-sign Kevin Shattenkirk to, to make this easier? No, okay. So yeah, Jamie Drysdale first pairing. And then after that... Selweger, second pairing. Lacombe, third pairing. This is on the left side. On the right side, Hellison's a righty, I believe. Yep. So Hellison, uh, Hellison Lacombe, third pairing. Yeah, he's a righty. Because that was the whole thing with Manson was they were getting another right-hand shot defenseman. So Hellison, Lacombe, third pairing. Drysdale, Fowler, first pairing. And then Zellweger and UFA, Mr. UFA. There you go. On the on the second pairing. You got I, that. I, I just can't believe that it's going to be four out of six youngsters i yeah. just don't believe that all right we're gonna go to twitter now i've got two dms and then we'll come to twitch and youtube uh hockey south said uh love the last few episodes couple of questions for you for the next one why are the ducks so quiet on the trade front first uh, that's the first question any answer for that i think it's just timing i think we're starting to hear a little bit more and i yeah. anticipate as we approach the deadline that's only going to pick up yep and how likely are the Ducks to cash in pick slash prospects at the draft for an established player in a trade? Oof, I would say little to no chance. Oh, at the I draft. Actually, at the yeah, draft. Draft, Sorry. draft, draft, draft. Um, I think it's actually potentially, like, I, I would, think it's likely. I would put it at 50-50. Like, because I just I, don't know what Pat Verbeek has in mind for next season. I think it depends on also who's available. Well, there's that. I mean, but I, I like, yeah. let's say there, there's a relevant right-hand shot defenseman that becomes available. That would make sense. Mm-hmm. Like, oh yeah. I, I forgot to put Simon Benoit in to my hypothetical lineup, but seventh I can, defenseman, he can be seventh. He's been so bad this year. Um, yeah. yeah. If there's a name that makes sense, you know, you kind of think back to the chicken logic of the age, the contract, all of that. I mean, you do need some players at some point, but I really think it depends on what Paverbeek has in mind for, the next next year or so yep uh troy terry's confidence yeah even wilder wing on twitter said i know it's not technically a ducks question i'm broken record uh but i was wondering if either of you know any more about cautious situation with the check league he is apparently expected back with the canes in march and a deal back home wouldn't be till next season even so do you think he's played his last nhl game who i did i did not know that he had signed in the check league kasha Uh, yeah Oh, no, I've not heard about this at all. I, I have not either. I mean, it's possible he's played his last NHL game. I mean, I hope that he just finds happiness, to be honest. Yeah, I just hope that he can live a normal life yeah. <laughs> with all the brain trauma he's suffered. 
Yeah. It's it's yeah. really sad. Like it's we kind of just gloss over it, but man, like the amount of head trauma that du- that dude has sustained is just really alarming. And yep. and it's just it's nobody's fault, really. It's just uh it sucks. Yep. Yep. It definitely does. All right, we're going to go to our YouTube and Twitch chat now. So for those of you listening to this podcast, you can find us live typically on Mondays at 7 or 8 p.m. We'll tweet it out uh, at youtube.com slash crashpond or twitch.tv slash crashpond where you can, uh, if you're at Twitch, if you have Amazon Prime, you get one free Twitch Prime gaming sub each and every month. You uh, And it does help out more than you can imagine. You can be just, by Lewis, be just like Lewis X209 who resubbed for the 53rd month. Thank you so much, Lou. You are one of the We're going to build him a statue. Yeah. Hey, if uh, Justin Brown gets one, Lou um, might as well get one. Uh, let's not talk about that. Um, or if you want to find us on YouTube, go to youtube.com slash Please like, subscribe, to, like our video, subscribe to the channel. It does help out. We're trying to break a thousand subscribers. So uh, even if you don't use or watch the podcast on YouTube, you can go subscribe to the channel and uh, help us out there. Yep. All right. So uh, let's go with this one. Christian Batista said, uh question assuming the ducks draft bedard who would be your captain and two alternates Ooh, i think you got to make troy terry the captain of this team okay i mean i i think at this point it's ridiculous if he's if he doesn't end up being the captain and, and then, then what think, about the two assistants i think zegris mctavish you could do okay. you could do mctavish zegris alternating with so Fowler. bedard never wears a letter I think he's got to he's got to wait a little bit. Okay, I, 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 I think it's that's a little fair. weird if he comes in as as the captain or assistant captain. I could see Fowler and McTavish as the two A's. I could see them having four assistants of Fowler, Silverberg, and then McTavish, Segris, or even Drysdale having a letter. Maybe so. Um, all right, Sean Fight said Captain Log Captain's Log Star Date ten eight uh, eight nine three. Who is the head of the bloodline in the Ducks family and who needs to find their inner Usi? So I know the storyline. I am not watching it just because I don't really watch WWE. But let's go with who's the head of the Ducks table? The head of the table? The head, That's essentially what this is. Who's the head of the bloodline? Who's the head of the table in the Ducks family? I think it's either – it might be Adam Henrique. He kind of feels like he's the team dad. Or is would that, that make him Fowler? the head of? Would that make him the head of the table though? I think just, it's Troy Terry. I I think that I think that would make him the the elder of the team, not the okay, head of the Henrique table. Henrique is the elder. Terry 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 I think is the head of the Terry. Is the head Zeg- of the team. Zegris is Zegris is. Yeah, but Terry is the best player. But Zegris has that confidence. He's like something else. He's like the jester. And I'm gonna assume who needs to find their inner Usi is someone who really needs to start believing in themselves more. So let's go with Max Comtois. Well, at one point that was Troy Terry, supposedly. Yeah, yeah. Who needs to start believing themselves more? Um, I feel like Max Jones is not short on self confidence. Yeah, yeah. It's let's go with Jamie Drysdale there. Can I point out that Jamie Drysdale looks like he's put on some some size? Yeah. Just he's looking thick. Okay. (laughs) Supposedly, by the way, everyone go. Or no, Derek didn't say this, but still, go find Derek. Derek. Uh, he's doing great work for us at the Sporting Tribune, covering oh, yeah. practices. Um, and, and yeah. so at he's in his the building, at, yeah, he's Derek Lee room. is there at D Rock Lee twenty seven. Uh, doing good things for us over on Twitter. Um, and 
so he didn't say this. So never mind. But I think Lou was saying someone said that Drysdale was practicing. I think it's because he was in a video recently. So who knows if he is or isn't. Uh, so not going to put that out there that he was on ice because who knows. Um, but uh, let's see. Lou asked us this question. Are we sure about jalapeno bread and jalapenos in general? Hmm. I think that there's there's a spectrum for jalapenos because like pickled jalapenos and great. raw jalapenos great. are just a totally different ball game. Both of them are great though. Yeah, they're fine. I used to I used to eat them a lot. Now I don't anymore because I value my digestive system. But ooh, S.J. Hawking saying jalapeno cornbread is great. That is a great show. Cornbread cornbread is just not jalapeno cornbread from Heritage Barbecue in San Juan. Ooh boy, we don't talk from SKN bread. Cornbread. So good, so good. We don't talk. Um, about yes, I'm sure about jalapeno bread. I'm sure about jalapenos in general. It's delicious. Yeah, I would. I would. I would co-sign that, yes. Uh, Ray Gonzalez asks us, how many shots against slash goals against will it take for Gibson to go full wah, wah and demand a trade? <laughs> well, if that game against Pittsburgh didn't do it, I don't know what will. Yeah. So. Uh, also, I just, I just don't see – I don't think he has that in him. Sean Fight asks, do the Ducks uh, sit and pick uh, sit and pick, or move all of their 2023 second-round picks? The Ducks have three second-round picks in this upcoming draft. I don't think that that gets you to move up if God. you're, like, fourth or whatever. The current, like, before this this deadline, which they could get a first-round pick yep. very easily. Probably will. The Ducks have six picks in the first three rounds. No one that's ahead of them, if they're in the top five, is giving up their pick. Unless you're you're coming up with a crazy offer. And at which at that point you're probably overpaying. Well, I, I don't think it's about moving up. Sorry. Okay. I, I, I think I he's more so. No, I think he's just talking about whether they move them for, for other assets. I kind of think you just have to make the picks. I think it depends. I think, I think they're going to move one of them. Let's go with that. That's, they're moving one. I hate that answer. They're moving one. You know why I hate them. that answer? Why? Because that is the, the true cliche slash stereotype of law professors which is that if you ask any law professor a question, the answer will be, we'll always start with, it depends. <laughs> and so it's just it's just burned to my brain now. And it, yeah, it depends. It, just, it pisses me off every time <laughs> I hear it. So oh, of, course uh, it, of course it depends. But like, can you just give me an answer? I'm trying to, uh, I'm trying to ace the class here. Anyway. I, there was a question earlier, and I did want to answer it. Uh, Christian Batista asked, said, uh, said question, where do you guys get your news from? News? Uh, well, I was going to say Twitter, but Twitter's not actually... Can you I, can you cite Twitter as a news source? I, I think I think following the different insiders, Frank Saravalli, Chris Johnston, uh, Elliot Friedman on there. I think both of us are, are pretty avid podcast just go to listeners. Our, go to our following on Twitter. Just click on yeah. our following, and you'll see. But I mean, yeah, generally, uh, just the main main insiders: Saravalli, Friedman, Jeff Merrick. Um, the Athletic is always a good go to. But I, I think you and I are both avid avid podcast listeners, so. Both of us will end up uh, typically listening, especially right now. Thirty Two Thoughts is an invaluable podcast to listen to to just get news. Yeah, the the Kevin DFO Weeks. show with with uh, with Frank Saravalli always has some good tidbits about trade rumors because I think Frank's become one of the more relevant insiders out there and become very prevalent and has good information. 
Um, and so his articles on the daily face off are also really good. And I mean, pretty much all these guys have their podcasts. Cause there's also the, the Chris Johnson show on the Steve yeah. Dangle podcast network from a, from a ducks perspective, eh, you know, I guess follow Lisa Dillman. You got a request for a follow <laughs> Eric Stevens when, when sporting he... tribune, why, yeah. why let's, let, let's yeah. just, yeah. 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 Check Plug out the sporting, sporting tribune. tribune, see our articles there. See when we put them up. Derek Lee is is our primary person on the website, though. Being he's, at practices, he's the man on the ground. He he's putting out really good information. I think the one thing that I really value that Derek's doing is I feel like there aren't many good practice reports with just yeah. like good information from practices. And maybe some people don't want that. Who knows? But I think that's something that's been sadly missing in the Ducks sphere for a while now. Of just putting out information, putting out quotes, putting out articles from yeah. practice with what happened. Non-game day said. content is like sorely lacking. Yeah. I mean, you have you have other teams that release full-on press releases of what the lines are at practice every day. And for the Ducks, it's like you've got to pull teeth to find out. But actually, this is a good chance to plug the Discord. If you yeah. just if you just join our our Crash the Pond Discord, you will never miss anything. So yeah, I also do want to give uh, Derek. I know we've plugged him a lot, but I want to give Derek another shout here. He also puts stuff on Twitter that he doesn't always that may not make it into his article. Yeah, and I think he's done did something kind of fun where I don't know if you caught this at all, but uh, there's been a thing with Trevor Zegers and the way he holds his coffee cup. I hold my coffee cup like that too, actually. Holding it from the top of the lid, and I do too. Yeah. But yeah. I've also had the the it's not top that of, weird. I've also had cups like the lids fall off and the drink goes everywhere. I've never had that happen to me. Oh, I have. But I guess, uh, yeah. Uh, Derek asked Zegris about it, and Zegris had said, uh, "That's a great in, question." In, in, yeah, interesting. I can't hold it a different way. It's the only way I know how to hold it. <laughs> Uh, really? I just hold it differently. That that's a new one for me. I don't drop anything with these hands. That's funny. And I don't believe for a second that he didn't know because this has been a thing. Yeah, th- there's no way. But yeah, um, that's, that's that's a great question. And Derek and I were actually texting a little bit about it, and he told me, yeah, Trevor said he was gonna, or I think he said he told Trevor he should troll everyone at some point and come out like holding it in a different way or something like that. <laughs> And Hold it upside down. See what, what happens. What do you know? The next game, he walks out on, uh, or the the video of him walking to the arena. He's holding a coffee cup different. And so, wait, hold on. I have to pull this up. This doesn't matter at all, but it's still just it's funny. Great. Like it humanizes the team. It's yeah, fun. yeah. So he's holding like a coffee mug from underneath. Uh, CJ, <laughs> CJ tweeted it out. The image of him holding the cup. <laughs> Why is he holding it? That's even worse. Actually, that's even less stable. <laughs> but it's just the fact Derek Derek's doing good work. He's he's building a rapport with the players. Yeah. Informing Zegris about some of the internet uh meme or jokes conversations about him. What, player reactions to stuff like that is honestly some of the best content. Yeah. So go go follow him, please. Go follow the Sporting Tribune for for the article he's putting out. That's, it, that's this really this funny. is the type of stuff we deeply need. Oh yeah, I updated my Twitter bio officially. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was told how, how to many stand months down. later how many months <laughs> later oh that's really funny oh yeah. so officially official even though I mean, uh Ray Gonzalez asked uh did the money poured into the art research and development to get the puck tracker and nameplates bankrupt ballet sports I mean 
it is kind of ironic that they go bankrupt the same year where they have this feature, which presumably they poured money into, which just like nobody likes. It's uh, not. I don't know if that would have made the difference in their yeah, in their books. I, I've but. changed my tune a little bit on the the puck tracker. Oh, mainly because of three on three overtime. It's it's, it's not needed. Oh, you were supporting it. I forgot. No, about that. I, I, thought you well, were... I wasn't supporting it. I just said it's whatever. Like, it doesn't bother me that much if it's only on a power play. The issue is in three on three overtime. I don't like, no. Yeah. Here's the thing. And granted, this doesn't really work with cable broadcasts, but the Bally Sports broadcast, if you're watching it on your computer or on your phone, they give you like settings that you can turn on and off. It like puts like who's on the ice on your screen and. Uh, gives you like a trivia thing that can pop up. Why don't they just make Puck Tracker a thing on there? You can turn it on and off. Why are we reinventing the wheel? I think it has some value. I will stand by that, depending on the person. There was a time where, you know, people would huddle around a, a radio set to catch Hockey Night in Canada, the only game of the week. Was that, Saturday was that night. you last week? You know, and now we have Puck Tracker trivia settings. It's just, what has happened to the world? Did you not know that Bally Sports does that? That you can like. No, turn I don't on have trivia? the Bally Sports app. I use. ESPN oh yeah, Plus. yeah. You're not in the local market, Lucky Duck. Well, even even when I was there, I just VPNed for ESPN. So. There you go. Yes, 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 yes. The puck tracker is not good. That is Lou's possibly worst take in a sea of just horrendous. <laughs> should should we uh, out some of Lou's had some? I mean, let's just do this. We're near the end of the show. We need to we need to wrap up. Unfortunately. But I, I just we can do put, we can do five minutes of just BSing. Five minutes of just BSing and giving Lou shit because that's essentially what the end of the show is. And I'm going through our food uh take one. <laughs> Lou's saying bananas just why? <laughs> they have a very unsavory texture. And I side with Lou in part. I'm concurring in part. My concurrence is that I agree that bananas have issues, but where I part is that there are iterations of bananas that are very good. Basically, as long as there's still some green, bananas are great. If there's no green, it, bananas are just terrible. Bananas are best when there is no green. That's just, ugh, that makes me sick. I may have to run to the bathroom. Um, Let's see. He also said that blue or buffalo uh, is not a good wing sauce. Well, that's true because wings just shouldn't have sauce, period. Ooh. What? I've said this. I've said sauce is unnecessary. <laughs> so what is do you it, have your what what's on your wings? Just salt, chicken. S- salt and pepper? That's just it? Just chicken. Just chicken. <laughs> you got Natay to randomly I that I, I have not seen Natay in our Twitch chat at all, just randomly popping with <laughs> what? Meat, meat What and are you skin. talking about? Meat and skin. Is that so wrong? <laughs> You know, someone, someone clip that. Live, live your life just simply, minim, minimally, minimalistically. Uh, why? Why do you not like? <laughs> why? <laughs> My favorite thing from our chat is just scrolling to see Appa's message, which says heading to In and Out, and then you have this uh, this gift from I think it's Wedding Crashers, where they're just popping champagne bottles. <laughs> oh, that's really funny. Yeah, oh, I'm, by the way, I, I had in and out a few days ago. And, what'd you um, get? In my double-double, I did something I haven't done before. I did 
grilled extra grilled onions, which I always do. But then I added also raw chopped onions. And that was a perfect combo. Great. So mix you, of, wait, great, you did grilled onions and raw and onions? And raw chopped onions. So you didn't do the regular, you did raw. So were, were you just trying to mix them into a regular onion then? Raw chopped. So it's like the regular. Yeah. But diced. And then your whole grilled. Wait, or sorry. The, and then your. What's onions. the difference between the raw and the regular? Huh? So there's three different types of onions at In-N-Out. There's raw, there's the normal, and then there's grilled. That I don't know because the the regular is raw. No, like it's, it's not. <laughs> then what is it? In-N-Out, onion. I think you're wrong. No. That just doesn't uh, make logical sense. Onions can come. Wait, I, I thought they're. Uh, now I'm, yeah, dude, now, you're. This is. This just doesn't make sense on its face. Well, no, and that's why I was so confused when I saw it. Let's see. Yeah, well, now you know. I, I thought I saw that there were six different types of onions, and now oh. I'm seeing that there's Now I'm four. looking at pictures of In-N-Out, and I'm getting hungry, so this isn't good. Let me Let's see. see. Can I, I find all... another bad take? I got all the possible oh, onion oatmeal. types. Oatmeal is a point of contention. Oatmeal? I, I'm... Oatmeal is bad. Real bad. What's your thoughts on overnight oats? It's just all bad. I have throw overnight. It in, throw it in the garbage. I have overnight oats every day. Ugh. Just truly nightmare fuel. <laughs> oh. How are you still on this? This is like just. Because <laughs> I could have sworn I saw that there were six different ways, but now I'm seeing that there's four. There I'm... might be, but this regular thing you're that you're pushing is just not one of them. I'm going to find it. I will find it. <laughs> Wait. Lou doesn't know what overnight. Uh, we're just going all over the place. Overnight oats are fantastic. Basically, you put oats into a, a jar with milk. I do it with protein powder, with yogurt, with lemon juice, and blueberries. I do a vanilla protein powder and chia seeds. Throw let it, it sit. Let it let it sit overnight. The oats soak it up, um, and it's just really good. Oats you, are really good for you. You get protein. You, you posted a picture of a crock pot in our in yeah. our chat with no yeah. explanation of what it was. I did. Just, I said just... I was making queso blanco. Oh, I see that now. I just scrolled yeah. up. Yeah, don't hate me. <laughs> wow. No, just just pointing out. Simply pointing out. I put this out there on Twitter. I just don't see why you would have kettle corn over regular popcorn. I I just don't think you can talk me into that. Do you want to know what I had before the show? Oh, no. I had the Popcorners uh, kettle version. Here, here's the thing. I don't mind kettle corn, but it's not better than regular popcorn. It is. It is. It, it's better if you have a sweet tooth. Well, sure. but I have a sweet anyway. tooth, which is why. You just said I don't understand how you could like it more. I have a sweet tooth. Okay. Hen- okay. Um, Fair enough. Uh oh, Lou's just thrown. Oh, he. Okay. Okay. Caramel and peanut butter How, are bad. I this the end of the show just should just be called shitting on Lou because that's what it's become. <laughs> to be fair, there's a lot of bad peanut butter out there. Lou had a take this week in our Discord mm-hmm. about chocolate. <laughs> is the, has the war on chocolate begun? <laughs> Lou had said that the only good chocolate is Hershey's bars. That's the, anything <laughs> with caramel, anything with caramel 
or nougat or anything like that or is trash. That take, that's like what a six-year-old would say. Like, you know when you're in your picky phase and you just randomly only like one brand, but there's no rhyme or reason to also, it? Also, Hershey's is bad. Like, no, from Hershey's a straight is, chocolate. I will push back on that. The Hershey it, bars, there's... It's there's mid. A, it's very mid. There's a, there's a classic nostalgia you get when you bite into a Hershey's bar. So... The only time I have Hershey's is like on Halloween when it comes in. Oh the, man, like, I haven't thing. had a Wonka bar in so long. Do they even still sell them anymore? I have no idea. What we do is we get the like fancy chocolates. Well, yeah, from whatever. like Whole Foods, the dark chocolates. Oh, so good. Okay, well we should we, <laughs> we should go. Just, we should get out of here. We should go before this just goes up in flames. Yeah. By the way, I don't know if you've seen this, but there are like unidentified flying objects that are being shot down every other day right now yeah i've bre- i haven't paid too much attention to it well there I was a, there, there was something. a spy balloon that got shot down a week ago and well, yeah, there were like three there were three over the weekend one going over alaska one going over canada and one going over michigan and no one actually knows what they are they're they're just they're just little flying things that shoot just, them down we're just shooting them out of the sky so stay safe out there you know don't uh don't don't stay in an open field for too long. You might you might have a uh, you might have a UFO coming crashing down on you. Anyway, if you want to help us keep this thing going, we're gonna wrap this thing up. But there's a few easy ways that you can help us out. And the number one way, and this is the way that's also gonna benefit you the most, is to check out our Patreon page. The number one thing you can do there is for one dollar a month, a dollar monthly pledge, you get access to our patrons only Discord server. And honestly, this time of year with all the news and all the stuff to keep up with, I think that this is the best time to get in on the action. You're you also can get Felix trolling you. Do I do it? Do I do that? Do I troll? Came to A and A. Keep keep going. I think keep that's going. a bit harsh. Uh, for a dollar a month, you get access to that, and you also just get to connect with other diehard fans, all the people they're always referencing on the show, which is basically Lou. Um, and others as well that's for a dollar and then for five dollars you get that plus you get two bonus podcasts a month so if you just want more of us well that's how you can do it we'll talk about the uh ducks more in depth we'll talk about the nhl league wide when actually this month or sorry next month we'll do what we do every year which is our full trade deadline breakdown so we look at every single trade and that's always that's always a bit of a mammoth of an episode but it's a lot of fun i love that episode yeah, me too. So uh, excited. So that's at patreon.com slash crash the pond. Go check that out. If you don't want to spend any money, though, totally understandable. Go to Apple Podcasts and just leave us a review. We haven't gotten any reviews in a while. Those actually do go quite a long way. We love to hear from you guys. Uh, leave us a review. We'll shout you out on the podcast. We'll maybe even post it on Twitter. Who knows? Um, but yeah, just search crash the pond on Apple and then you can also check us out on Spotify. You can leave us a rating there. So hopefully five stars. Um, and then outside of that, check out our YouTube, youtube.com slash crash the pond. Subscribe there. Turn on your notifications if you want the video format of the show. And also, if you're on YouTube, I want to point out, make sure that when you're going to check out our videos, they're coming up now under the live portion. If you go yeah. to videos, they're not there. So they like updated YouTube updated their like. The way that they show show stuff. 
I do believe that recently I was looking at it and I think they've changed it now where it's still like that, mm-hmm. but it shows live. Uh, nope, it doesn't. Yeah, you have to go to live to see them. Yeah, so you that, have to go to that's live. where our videos are. So they're all there. They're all getting uploaded there. Um, you just have to go to the live portion as compared to videos. Yep. It's just how we do it now. But yeah. Yep. So go check that out. Um, check out the Sporting Tribune, uh, sportingtribune.com. Follow Derek at DRockLee27. I think that's what it is. Yeah, I was looking at that. I think it's an I instead of an L, though. Well, anyway, just type in Derek yeah. Lee. Um, yeah. Follow Jake at ReindeerGames91. Follow me at Felix underscore Sicard. And that's going to do it for our show. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Have a great Valentine's Day. Have a great President's Day weekend. Big three-day well, weekend here. We for, will be talking some... to them on the, the third day of that President's Day weekend. To who? To, to the presidents? Oh, to, to... To, the, to, the, to the people. Yeah, the oh. presidents. Okay, we're going to talk to uh, George Washington. The, the, the presidents of the Crash the Pond fan club. Can we talk to, to old presidents through chat GPT? Can we have like a Is this going to be a bit? Should, should this be a bit on next week's episode? I don't know. Okay. Also, I'm I'm, I'm kind of depressed that I finally caved and made a chat GPT. Reference. I don't know what that I don't know what that is and oh, now I feel old. It's two two letters, not even two words, AI. Oh, so, okay. Yeah. Okay. Alrighty, folks, that's going to do it for our show. Have a great week. Bye.